So joining us in the immediate afterpath, aftermath sorry, of the RBA's 10th consecutive RBA cash rate rise is Judo Bank's economic advisor, Warren Hogan. Warren, welcome to the Savings Tip Jar podcast. Thanks for having me on the show. So Warren, just the, the big obvious one, the big elephant in the room, um, the RBA just increased the cash rate uh, to 3.6%. Uh, how high will the, RBA, will the RBA go? Well, they've signaled that I think they're getting close to the end. Um, they've changed some of their language around uh, multiple further rate increases. They just refer to having some further tightening to do. I mean, look, the reality is none of us really know. We're all hostage to what's going to happen in the economy. But I think the key thing from today's statement and meeting is that the RBA are eyeing off um, maybe one more rate hike and then they can sit back and watch for a while. And this is a really important part of the dynamic because monetary policy affects the economy with a lag. It takes time to filter through. I mean, we're only really seeing right now the effects of maybe the rate hikes we saw last year. And and even then we'll get more of that. We've got this mortgage cliff that's been talked about. So I think there are maybe one more rate hike um, taking the cash rate to 3.85 and then they'll sit back for a little while. Now, I'm not convinced that that's going to be the end of it. I think a lot in the market will be. Um, even the professional markets, bond markets, currency markets. But my concern is that this economy is strong. Um, that this inflation is stubborn and that we may see some further rate hikes at the end of our winter going into spring. Um, I think a cash rate of around four and a quarter to four and a half is probably going to get the job done. But again, I'm, I'm sort of hoping as much as anyone that that's going to be enough. Warren, what do you say to those people, um, you know, such as the Aussie Council of Trade Unions that, that actually think the RBA has already done enough, that, you know, today's rate rise wasn't necessary and further rate rises uh, are just needlessly pu uh, punishing working families? If I had the opportunity to speak to them, then I'd let them know about the art of macroeconomics and monetary policy, uh, as opposed to what looks like the obvious that you see sitting in front of you. And this is why we have an independent Reserve Bank full of some of the brightest and best trained economists in the country is that there are a lot of um, techniques, models and ways of assessing what the right interest rate is for the underlying economic circumstances. And in fact, most of those techniques, which are focused on a concept called the real interest rate, which is the interest rate minus inflation, they would all be telling us that the interest rate needs to be not at 3.6%, or 4%, but it needs to be at 5 6% or 7%. That is, yeah, we've wow. got so much inflation, the economy is doing well, our unemployment rate's so low, that if they wanted to actually ensure that we didn't have an ongoing inflation problem, that they would have doing a lot more. Um, the real interest rate right now is still negative. And technically, mm. from a long-term perspective, that that's actually stimulatory to the economy. So look, what I'd say to them is that let the professionals do their job, uh, stop making politics out of the RBA. And unfortunately, they've really been thrown to the mob by not just the people like the ACTU, but the, the government as well. And you only have to look at our level of interest rates compared to similar economies around the world. And I'll just give you a few numbers. New Zealand, 4.75% cash rate. United States, 4.75% federal funds rate, the same as our cash rate, Bank of Canada, 4.5%. We're miles below 
what other countries are. The RBA has already been beaten up to not raise rates too much. And of course, what I would argue is that they're leaving us exposed to the real danger. And that's that we let this economy and this inflation get away from us and that we ultimately end up having interest rates go so high that the economy goes into a deep and damaging recession in response. Now, look, I'm hoping as along with everyone that that doesn't happen, but the arguments to our political leaders, many in our media and people like the ACTU is that we're actually doing a lot less than others and, and taking risk that we're not getting the job done. Mm. But anyway, let's hope their judgment is right and that this so-called narrow path is being navigated. Um, <laughs> but the reality of our situation is that while there are a lot of highly um, pressured households and businesses in Australia, most Australian businesses and households are in good financial shape. And I think one piece of evidence that doesn't get talked about a lot in the last few weeks is how well the housing market performed in February. The, RB, the uh, ABS is telling us that we're still writing about $22 billion of new mortgages uh, mm. in January. Um, that's only been exceeded as a monthly total once before the pandemic. Um, and it quite clearly tells us that there are a lot of Australians where a five or 6% mortgage interest rate is not going to get in the way of their housing dreams, that they can fund themselves into a property at this rate, even though the stories that are dominating the headlines and the political dialogue are those people who borrowed and rates were so low that are now under stress. And the problem for the RBA is that they don't want to put anyone under stress, but their job is to look after the whole economy, not just those mm -hmm. who are at the margins that are under pressure. So. That was a long-winded response, but you know the ACT can handle <laughs> that. You've nailed all the all the correct uh, points, I reckon, there, Warren. But um, speaking of sort of homeowners and um, there being a lot of like fear in the market at the moment, um, I note that around um, only thirty-seven percent of households have a mortgage. Um, so how much of an impact do cash rate rises actually have, and and what have they had, um, and how much? Um, is the inflation sort of problem? Because people have short memories. How much of it is uh, driven by global factors instead of domestic factors? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's right to say that, um, you know, about two thirds of Australians own their own property and just over half of them, as you said, uh, have a mortgage and the rest have already paid off their mortgage um, or didn't have one in the first place, lucky people. Um, <laughs> and of course, within that, cohort of about a third of our households with mortgages, there's um, a great majority are well ahead of the, the game. They're well ahead of their payments. They've, their LVRs are very, very low. Um, so we're really talking about um, somewhere less than 10% of households in Australia that are really feeling it um, would be my assessment. Now, that, that's not to downplay how sort of important it is to those people, but um, this is, again, another reality of monetary policy and interest rates is that um, when interest rates go up, there's also a lot of people who benefit. Um, and this mm -hmm. is working the other way, that people who uh, got large term deposits um, and savings and some people who live off those, like retirees, are getting a lot more income. And and, and I'd suggest with these cost of living pressures out there spending it. So, so look, I think the reality here is that um, monetary policy um, very much works in multiple sort of channels and ways and the dominance of the mortgage holder um, as, as sort of the bearer of all the, the pressure and it all happens through them is, is a little bit misguided. 
Um, I think I forgot the second question. You asked another question. Um, like people have short memories. To what extent is the sort of inflation problem um, a global factors? To what extent is it domestic uh, supply demand, etc.? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the the initial inflation shock we received was was very much global because of the pandemic, and 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 you know we're linked into that global economy and our input costs and all that increase in supply chain costs, particularly transport costs. That all affected us, and that's all coming off. That's all going away. That that did mm. prove transitory. But the problem is, is that it sort of sparked the inflation process, and and what's left is an economy that's really strong, where unemployment's at fifty-year lows. In fact, we're probably running unemployment below what is sustainable. Um, mm. The demand for labour. I mean, there's labour shortages everywhere, um, from from aged care workers, school teachers to defence personnel, um, right through into industry and professions, and you know, that's the domestic inflation. Now, so far, so good in Australia. The, the wage pressures um, have been pretty modest, but they're there. So even though the the, the most cited measure of wages is only going up by about 3.5%, which is what we want to see over the long term, it's about the right number. The problem is it's, it's, it's momentum's only going one way and that's up. But the reality is, is that the total income of the Australian workforce last year went up by 10% because people worked extra hours or got promotions mm. and and more people got jobs. So, you know, it's actually, you know, a, a domestic story now. And the RBA, you know, they're, they're not going to be jumping at shadows in the international economy. What they've got to get right is the is that is that the domestic economy is, is balanced. It isn't overheating or isn't underheating or what have you. And the reality is, is that the domestic economy is is on fire. It you know it might have slowed down, but you know until we see some pressure come off the labour market, and unfortunately that means a, a, an unemployment rate maybe at four rather than three and a half. Um, they're not going to be comfortable that the, the domestic inflation pressure is not there. And then sort of sitting behind all of this is two things. One is state governments in particular spending like there's no tomorrow and investing and adding more pressure into the economy and they're not doing anything to help the rba they're only adding to the strength of the economy at a time when it's overheating and then i'd argue another one that's problematic for us is this energy costs going up it's coming at really the wrong time because you know people are already under pressure and of course if you're paying more for your food paying more for your mortgage paying more for everything the, the chances of you wanting a higher wage are very high. And if mm. businesses are sort of struggling to get lobby, they might pay it if they can pass it on. And then that's that wage price spiral, which there's not a lot of evidence of it now, but it, we do not want to get to that point. So, so yeah, it's the domestic inflation that's the main concern. Um, and, and that's what they're going to be focused on. And a lot of the focus obviously has been on households when it comes to the impact of these uh, cash rate rises. But what are the, what's the impact of these higher rates on businesses? Like, do, do you think that could force some businesses to push up prices of their goods and services uh, to compensate for these higher interest costs? Uh, look, there, there probably is, is going to be a little bit of that. There's no doubt that one of the reasons we've got this inflation is that Australian businesses have been able to put their prices up um, initially in response to those global factors, whether it was higher materials and input costs, higher energy costs like oil costs or transport costs. Australian business in the last 12 months has been pretty successful at, at being able to push up their prices to cover those costs. 
And that's actually a bit of a concern because if we see that process continue with higher wage costs, not only are they more likely to pass higher wages on and create more inflation, but they're more likely to pay higher wages if they think they can get it back by putting up their prices. So the the business community's um, actually in such good shape in general um, because they are actually in this sort of inflationary environment where they can put their prices up. And you know, this comes after 10 years where businesses were very reticent to put prices up uh, because they'd be worried about the effect on demand. Um, but I think when we talk about the effects of interest rates on businesses, it's it's not dissimilar to households in the sense that, unfortunately, I think in this country, we've got a lot of what I call zombie companies, and that is companies mm. that are very close to the edge. Insolvency rates started to decline well before the pandemic, mainly because interest rates were lower than they probably otherwise should be. And then they collapsed with the rules in the pandemic and 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 they haven't really picked up in any sort of significant way. The ATO's got a big role to play in the insolvency business along with banks. And I think as we start to see these interest rates fully factored through into lending rates, I think you're going to see more and more small businesses just not make it. So while the business community in Australia by and large is very healthy, there are going to be these stressed firms that are just surviving and have just been surviving financially for many years that may not survive these higher funding costs. And it's actually a similar story with the household sector. There's general resilience with marginal stress. And, and you know, that's part of the really complicated story that is the Australian economy right now. And Warren, should there be any sort of uh, concerns around the fact that a lot of small business owners have their small business loans secured by the family home, um, given that could offer a, a double whammy with interest rate rises? Yeah, look, I think the the the, the falls we've seen in the property market are, are very substantial in some areas. So clearly, um, the, the main capital cities, so Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, uh, but even Canberra, um, Hobart, uh, have seen 10% falls. And, and and you look back in history, that, that's about as big a fall as you get in these markets. So, mm. yeah, that's that's going to start to be a bit of a concern and, and a concern if the underlying business isn't doing well and, and banks that are, you know, if the be-all and end-all of their collateral and of their lending decision is is that family home, they, they, they may start to get nervous if we see further falls in house prices. I mean, at Judo, we obviously look beyond that, but we do know that, and one of the reasons Judo has actually exists is that, you know, for the SME sector, banks historically have had a knee-jerk, almost, you know, starting point collateral being the family home. And and it is, the, it, everything's working against that because the prices of the the, uh, the asset are going down and the, and the funding costs of the asset are going up. So it, it is why, again, we want to avoid interest rates going up more than they have to. Um, and I think it's that's why it's so important that the RBA gets on top of this inflation. And I'd argue that if that means a 4.5% cash rate, but it guarantees that we don't have a 6% cash rate, then we're a lot better off you know, going to 45 than risking 6 Because I think 45 mm. will create a slow slowdown in the economy. It'll inevitably create some stress in the economy. But 6% could be a disaster. And what you don't want to see is you don't want to see 
businesses fail that have a long-term future. You don't want to see people lose their jobs where those jobs actually will be there in a few years' time. They just that company couldn't keep all those staff through this squeeze on the economy. And my judgment is is that you 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 don't necessarily get to that point with a four percent cash rate, but you you start to get there with a, a five or a six percent cash rate, and we want to avoid that. And just finally, Warren, um, you know, one quick. Yeah, what's the impact of uh, these rate rises on uh, people's savings behaviours? You know, I mean, obviously, if you're seeing some deposit products offering, you know, four or nearly five percent interest, um, you think that would be increasing a bit more demand for for those type of products? Like, why would you want to invest in the, you know, the risk of the share market when you could essentially guarantee yourself four to five percent in a in a judo bank term deposit? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, and uh, I think it's going to become more and more relevant because we've seen a structural step up in interest rates um, after a period of, you know, almost 30 years where interest rates were falling. They'd occasionally go up, but then the next time they fell, they'd fall by more, and then they got to zero, and we've had one of the biggest lifts in interest rates in history because that zero was so um, sort of unsustainable, but also because we've got this sudden burst of inflation. So um, I think that we haven't fully seen the adjustment in asset markets, equities, in commercial and residential property. I think the biggest adjustment we've seen in Australia has been in residential property, as we just discussed. But um, but I think there's going to be, in the next year or so, a lot more people uh, wanting to just take a very careful position with their with their wealth and with their savings or their retirement money um and and i think a bank deposit is 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 one of the safest ways you can look you know you can put your money to work yeah. and you're now getting an interest rate on it you're getting you know anywhere from three and a half to four and a half depending on uh, exactly what you're doing so and that that's that's something you haven't received for sort of almost a decade in australia and it certainly beats, you know, buying shares that fall 30% or or getting into a property that falls 15% with all those transactions costs as well. So I think you're exactly right. More generally, though, in terms of savings across the whole economy, um, we're seeing, a, again, a, a completely unprecedented um, run up in savings through the pandemic. Um, mm. And only in the last six months of Australians stopped saving excess is my analysis, and 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 the national accounts numbers, the GDP numbers we received last week showed us they're starting to actually save less because the mm. pressure on some households from higher rates. So that dynamic is going to play through, and I think you'll see um, going in the other direction to the, the the what we just talked about with investments is that some people are going to have to spend savings just to survive, to pay the mortgage, to pay the rent, that they're just not going to be earning enough to to cover their lifestyle. Um, so yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of different dynamics uh, at, at work there, um, but I think the the term deposit product uh, more generally is going to be more important for Australians for all the different reasons than it has been for over a decade. And Warren, we know you're a busy man, um, and on a on the busiest of days, uh, we thank you for sharing your time here on the Savings Tip Jar podcast. Fantastic. Thanks, well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so that was Warren Hogan uh, from Judo Bank Economic Advisor there. So some great points there made by Warren Harrison. Yeah, Warren was uh, really great to chat to. Um, he obviously knows a lot of his stuff and he's been around the block a few times. He He's seen that, you know, Australians generally have a short memory with, uh, with the inflation and things like that because 
Um, although a lot of people might be crying foul about, you know, RBA rate rises and then they're in their right to, um, it's to really curb inflation, which we have to go back to sort of the early seventies and the nineties to kind of see the, the true corrosive impacts of high inflation. Um, and look, it, it wasn't all doom and gloom, um, either. I, like I thought it was good that he said a lot of people can still afford their mortgage. And he also said, um, which I enjoyed hearing from him that, that, um, that lending indicators figure that we talked about at the top of the show, uh, 22.1 billion before the pandemic, that was only seen once before. So that just goes to show that we're still at pretty elevated levels and we can consider the pandemic as a kind of weird blip on the radar in, uh, in world economic history. Yeah, yeah. And it was interesting what he said at the end, talking about the sort of competing forces you're seeing with saving at the moment. So obviously there's higher interest rates available for people to put into savings accounts and turn deposits, which you think would be an incentive for higher levels of savings. But at the same time, the higher interest rates are, are hurting to the households that have mortgages. Yes that um, have less money to, to put aside. And uh, um, and also, you obviously got inflation at the moment, higher energy costs, so even people who, who don't have a mortgage are getting impacted. So, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of resulting in this sort of um, this sort of state of flux where people want to save more, but maybe they can't. Mm. Um, they don't, they, they're maybe less willing to invest in the share market because they can get a guaranteed uh, return um, just in a same yeah. term deposit, which is probably almost as good as what you could get um, in the markets or, or in uh, property. Um, but uh, yeah, some people just don't really have the funds to, to put aside to take advantage of those high rates. So yeah, certainly a great chat with Warren Hogan there. Mm-hmm.